Coming up this week on S Pedorek, S4C, no live football. We've got no Scorio coming at you live this weekend. Why is that? The rugby takes centre focus. We've got Wales playing again. Wales playing Georgia uh, programme with Gareth Threesowen or Grow. Starts at 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Kick off at 2.30. Um, so be sure if you've got nothing else to do. There's no live football games on a Saturday at half past two. Unless you've got a dodgy box. So tune in, watch the rugby. If you're Welsh, you know, and you've got an interest. Tune in for your Scorio highlights for the highlights of the Welsh Premier League. Join Morgan Jones on Monday, as as with every week. 5.35, Monday afternoon. Just a catch-up, keeping the know. See what's going on. Certainly the most interesting league campaign that there's been for a good few years. Loads of teams challenging. Make sure you stay tuned with what's going on. Morgan Jones, he'll put you right. Monday, 5.35 S4C. Owain Jones scored in normal time for Swansea. Owain Jones with a penalty and Owain Jones has scored for Swansea as he did in normal time. Put Swansea back in the lead to make it 2-1. Welcome to the latest episode of the Longman's Football World. It was becoming a little bit Swansea biased. It was. I had to start somewhere. I've had real good chats with a handful of, of old friends and I felt it was time I had to branch out a little bit because the idea is over time that it's going to go you know, across the country, former teammates, uh, people that I know within the football industry, uh, across the country. It's, it's not just going to be a, a Swansea thing. So it was time to take those first steps and they are baby steps, didn't go too far just on the M4, um, but somebody with a, with a history with Cardiff, with Newport, um, had a long, successful career, and um, it, was a, it was a pleasure to sit down with, with Nathan Blake, somebody who I don't know personally, so going in, I was you know, slightly concerned. Would I get good content? Would I get him relaxed enough? Would, would I be able to, to get those stories out of him? Um, and I, th- I think it was a success. I think Nathan Blake, just a real good, cool guy, story to tell, um, and really open. And um, it was a really enjoyable one. Actually, we we've done another hour. Um, you know, I'm, I will get to a point where sometimes there'll be there'll be ones that go for half hour, forty minutes, whatever it is. But but with Blakey. The time just flew by. It really did. And and the idea with the podcast, I don't want to be cutting it. I don't want to be editing it and um, just going after the juicy bits. I just want to press record and off we go. Um, we, we sit down and we chat. And honestly, there's so much that we actually didn't cover. We didn't even get into the Welsh squads, really. We didn't get into the Bobby Gold era and, and, and Blakey's, you know, memories and... and 
and what have you of 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 that era in Welsh football because he was a he was a he was a big part of it. So he's certainly one that could go back and do do another one with over time. So a real pleasure. Big thank you to Blakey um, for his time to sit down and, and be so open because that's that's ultimately what's important. But really enjoyed it. I hope you do too. This is Nathan Blake. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. Nathan Blake, welcome to the show, my friend. I, uh, Good to be here, mate. I've had guests. I've had Leon Britton, mm-hmm. Lee Trundle, mm-hmm. Gary Monk. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, obviously three... Need a proper blue legend. Well, three swans. You know, <laughs> close, the swans are close to their heart. And I thought, I'm going to carry that on. I'm going to yeah. invite Nathan Blake on, you know. The closet the swans, swans fan. Yeah. <laughs> the swans will be loving me, man. Yeah. Your listeners will go from a thousand to zero. Overnight. I think it's good to, uh, to Expand, diversify. Mate. Absolutely. Meet different people and stuff like that. Um, do you, what's your thoughts on the Swans? Like it is you, what it is, mate. You know that you rivalry. Know, what yeah. you've been brought well, up. Well, it's it's different when you start playing the game. You know, when you're inside the game is one thing. You're taught to your rival is your rival, whether you're a boxer, whether you're a footballer, whether you're a rugby player, whether it's in school, where it's tribal, where this school hates that school, yeah. and they're literally a stone's throw away from each other. This estate hates that estate. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was just part and parcel of what I'd always been used to. But then you tend to, you grow up and you develop as a person, and you know, now it's neither here nor there to me. Do you, do you, think, I mean? do you think it's like, I think for me, when I started playing football, not that I was a huge, uh, I was a Liverpool fan growing up. Mm. You, you know, you get influenced. I got influenced by my dad. Absolutely. Be a Liverpool fan, hate Man United, yeah, yeah, this yeah. and that. And then you become a player and um, you play in derbies, of course, and mm. they're feisty. But it doesn't mean what it means to the fans because you have to be professional, I guess. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have to understand that, you know, I'm I'm an Ely boy. Ely's like a rough part of Cardiff, or one of the roughest, if not the yeah. 
you know. Um, I then moved to Newport. I was a Ringland. I'm a Ringland boy in Newport. Again, one of the roughest, if not the roughest, estate. So you know, I am the fan. Yeah. So to speak, do you know what I mean? I am one of those people. Does that rawness? Absolutely. I'm. I you know. I know there's school teachers that look and see me on TV and radio and must be thinking, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I am the fan, I suppose. That's what I'm able to um, engage with people on a level. And I never, like people say, oh, you know, someone turned down a photograph or an autograph or he was rude. Or, and I just don't ever see the point because, you know, ultimately, if you, if, you got, if, you, if you forget what you were, and you kind of like never reach what you intend to be because you know and you can never go back to those estates if you if you get too too big for your boots yeah, absolutely and you, you know. go back to those estates or whatever well i still drive around my old estate from time to time uh nostalgia reasons because it, it, it actually gives me a nice feeling yeah you know card if not so much because i got vivid memories when i was a little baby uh, up to about four or five of cardiff but growing up then in, uh, I moved to Underwood for a little time. I drive there sometimes. Um, and then I drive around Ringland as well. But, you know, I'll often take a long cut through Ringland, which yeah. I don't need to take just to drive through the estate, just to see my old junior school, the old road I lived on, friends' houses, my house, the green, you know what I mean, where we used to play. So. You, I, I'm, I'm not one of those people who would ever become or forget where I've come from. Like, you know what I mean? I just, it's just in me. It's just part of me. I'm afraid. You know, when you so you say you grow up and you move from Cardiff to Newport yeah. early on, but then you end up playing for Cardiff, and that was your that was your first professional club, yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you so, seen as a Newport boy or did? Uh, no, because what happened to me? It, it was it was strange. <laughs> I, I went to Cardiff when I was about eleven. Um, and uh, I was training with uh, two of my friends who were like they weren't my friends at the time but they've become long time friends now but they were like 14, 15 but I was training with them because mm. I was a decent player at 11 so I played up uh, and then um, I can't remember what happened but a, a scout who took us Keith Tennant um, I don't I can't for the life of me remember what happened but I ended up then in school uh, I got into a bit of trouble and my old headmaster Graham Reynolds God rest him he sent me to Newport to do my work experience right you know uh, as an apprentice so he obviously knew I was gonna go down that avenue he was a Tottenham scout at the time but he sent me to Newport and then I ended up um, getting spotted and uh, playing for Gwent schools and taken to Chelsea by Roger Skirm. Mm. Uh, he's a local guy. Uh, he's a diamond of a guy. And I signed for Chelsea, but I was a Spurs fan when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up just really going off Spurs when I became a Chelsea player, just as we were saying. Yeah. Um, but it was because they were very much... Uh, the youngsters, our age group, were very big time. Right. And I know big time, and I know not big time. For instance, like Andy Cole and that, we used to go to college together um, in uh, in King's College, I think it was, in London. And the Arsenal boys were sound, Chelsea boys sound, QBR boys sound, the only ones who were a bit 
outside and were a bit different was the Spurs boys. Okay. And I just developed a loathing for them, like, over time. It was just like, why are you so big time, like, you know? So I, I completely switched there and I was a Chelsea through and through man, do you know what I mean? This yeah. is my club, it's what I play for. It's a, and then left Chelsea before the end of my second year apprenticeship. Uh, a bit of homesickness and stuff like that. And uh, London's a lonely place as well. And the digs weren't great. And at them times, you know, uh, Chelsea wasn't Chelsea of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and the London boys that you'd play with would have, they'd have their own friends. Well, they would, but I, I spent time with Eddie Newton and Frank Sinclair. Frankie Sinclair and I were close, but Eddie and Newton and I were close as well. And then I came on and finished my apprenticeship with Cardiff and managed to get a, a one-year professional deal. And it all went from there. And then it was funny because I think it was my second year pro. Um, I think I was about 18, 19, 19 maybe, 20. And then Eddie Newton came on loan from Chelsea. So then he spent time. I obviously looked after him, took him out Saturday nights, yeah. like Cardiff and the Lloyds and stuff like that. He couldn't believe like how uh, similar you know, the clubs were in Cardiff to London. And then he went uh, back, scored, I think, two goals on his uh, debut for Chelsea against Spurs, yeah. ironically. Um, and, you know, just went on from there, really. And Eddie and I have been friends ever since, like close friends, very good friends. So that's when you made your, your debut for Cardiff, what, 18, 19? Yeah, I was 18. I think I, would, I, think I just turned 18 in the January. And I think it was perhaps... February, March, I think I played against Bristol Rovers um, in a derby. Uh, never played as a defender in my life as a left back. Okay. Yeah. So um, my uncle at that time, uh, Ray Daniel, was playing for Cardiff, and he was kind of one of the main players. Uh, he was uh, married to my aunt, and we met at the Calder. I was just travelling as like. 18th, 19th man, I thought. Said to him, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm fine. So we had been pre-warned the day before on a Friday that it might happen. But he said he was fine. So I thought, yeah, fine. Yeah. And then got all the way over, helped Harry Parsons, put the kit out. Um, okay, I was stood in the corridor against the radiator, of course, getting warm with the couples. And then Ash just walked past and said, get stripped, you're playing. Yeah. And went from there. Did you carry um, that rawness of, of growing up, poor estates, Cardiff, Newport? Did you carry that into your football career? Absolutely. Did you? Yeah. So I'm, it wasn't like, my, I'm no getting fear. my head down. Okay, so it was a good thing for you. It was, it was an absolute great thing, yeah. My, I, remember, um, I remember them saying to me that, I can't remember the right winger's name at Bristol all the time, but he was their main man, apparently. He was supposed to be quick and skillful. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to need to test my pace now against this lad because I was quick. So I let him push the ball past me and see how quick he was. I didn't even get out of first gear. And I just said to him, it's going to be a long afternoon for you if this is the quickest you are. And that was me, a chopsy, estate kid, no fear, got the ball, run forward with it because I was, I was a winger by trade growing up all through my career, left winger all through my youth days. So... 
every time I had the chance, I just run forward, took people on and run forward, and you know that was it. Never looked back. What, what about off the off the pitch? Did was it the same thing? Did or, or did the rawness hinder you? Did you you know going on nights out? And I stuff would like say that? I, yeah, it hinders you of course because you get in the spots of bother. You know, my friends were great friends because they would often like stand in front of me, uh, especially when the career really got going. Um, but yeah, that 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 rawness, that short fuse, that won't back down. That you know, if you say something to me, I'm going to react. If you do something to me, I'm going to react. You know, I'm not just going to accept it and walk away. I'm not a walk away. It was, it was, yeah, I got myself into plenty of hot spots uh, when I was younger. I'd never told Cardiff, like, obviously, yeah. but yeah, plenty. So no senior pros got a sniff of it just to pull you to one side? No, because they were all in Cardiff and I clubbed in Newport, okay. generally. And we'd go to Cardiff once in a blue moon or what my friends and I would often do, we'd, we'd travel. So we'd go to Cheltenham. Uh, clubbing, we go to Bournemouth clubbing, we go to London clubbing, we go, we go all over the country basically. One, yeah. one mate had a Sierra Estate, and we used to just pile in there, <laughs> about ten of us, and then head off, yeah. whatever. What about um, talking about the South Wales derby? You, you spoke about your debut against Bristol. Um, did you play in this? I played in a few Swansea derbies. Yeah, it was um, different back then. Yeah, different to yeah, like it was Cardiff City Stadium, it, Liberty Stadium. It was the Vetch one. It, Vetch, it was totally Park. different. Ninian Park. Um, I, I think I scored once or twice against them as well. But you do you get wrapped up in that that hatred because it's you know I've seen derbies at Chelsea. You know Chelsea Leeds was a massive derby. Chelsea Tottenham was a massive derby. You know Chelsea Arsenal. Chelsea West Ham they're all big derbies you know Sheffield Derby yeah Sheffield Derby but I hadn't experienced that when I was at Cardiff okay, obviously okay, yeah. so it was Cardiff Swansea and you know I knew about the Cardiff Newport and I never really got involved in that when I was in school because I'm a Cardiff boy at heart all my family in Cardiff yeah. but I'm bred in Newport and all my boys and my schooling and my friends are Newport boys so it's kind of like I kind of like I, that's one place I'll sit on the fence like you know I mean I'm not I'm not one or tether yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of both so um, playing at the Vetch it was it was, it was let's just say it was interesting mate yeah it's very interesting do you look at we were both um, over in Paris for the Wales game we mm. saw the young boys come on for the debuts and stuff like that is there has football changed that much that you don't see the, the comparison of you as a young boy growing up you know, comparing to them, or can you look back and think, yeah, I remember what that was like? I think it's quite easily exposed if a child is from more of a rougher background. So I'll hear if they say, oh, he's done this, he's done that, he's done this, and I'll think to myself, yeah, he's probably from a council estate, yeah. rough background, had to fight his whole life, and often the coaches were dealing with it, especially today. A lot of the coaches are former school teachers, things like that, or you know, never really been involved in the game. Quite middle class, and they're dealing with kids from council estates yeah. who they expecting, you know, absolute great behaviour. And I just say it's not going to happen. You know, this is a rough diamond. You have to work on this kid, not just physically but mentally you have to understand him and if you don't understand him i tell you what jump in your car 
and go to his estate and see why he's the way he is. Yes. You know what I mean? Or go and meet his mum and dad or his mum or just his dad or his brothers and see what they have to deal with on a day to day and where they go drinking and clubbing and, you know, it's okay to say someone should be something if you've grown up in an environment where you've never had to yeah. back against the wall, you know, it's do or die, simple as that. Literally, sometimes you can get yourself in that position. So if you've never been in that predicament, it's hard to understand the child who's 15, 16, 17, who's a bit off kilter. Whereas I hear those things and think, I don't think, don't get me wrong, it won't always be from a council estate, but their familiarities, I think, okay, yeah, and I understand that. So I'm a bit like, you've got to give that kid a bit more patience, yeah. a bit more room, a bit more understanding. And yeah, go and see, rather than tell him what he needs to be, go and see why he's the way he is. Like, Get to know him, properly get to know him. I, th I think, you know, we had a quick discussion before we started recording. You and I have had very different upbringings, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think I'm on your wavelength of thinking. I mm. think football has helped in that respect. Maybe it's my own personal character and stuff. Mm. You know, never any judgment really. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think we spoke about the UFC and seeing how people are sick of me talking about the UFC. Well, I, I love it, UFC, I love it that yeah. much. But yeah. you see high level athletes at the top of their game mm. and they mess up. Mm. They, they, they're called fuck ups because yeah. they, they take drugs mm. or uh, they get into fights, yeah. you know. Jesse, what's his name? Jesse something. He just won Ultimate Fighter, I think, last time round or the time before. With but the he, drugs, was on it, yeah. he was on it 10 years ago. Yeah. And he freaked out and got drunk and messed up. But it's taken him 10 years, 12 years to rebuild himself back to win Ultimate Fighter again. Yeah. But he was on the original one, I think. It's, and, and but I people think make mistakes. People make mistakes. And I just think that. Generally, it's easy to judge from the outside. If I've had a, a nice, easy upbringing, you know, as you said, back's never really been against the wall, never really had to fight for things. How easy would it be for me to judge? Okay, let me let me give you let me give you an exclusive, Go right? So I've never spoken about it, so I'll give it to you as a good friend of mine. Because I bought you tea. Yeah, because you bought me a tea, and it's lovely actually. But the fruit machine thing. Right, Nathan Blake robs the fruit machines. I didn't. Okay, I've I, I've Googled your name before right. doing this chat. But yeah. Right, so so clean slate from me. What happened there was so I was accused when I was about eighteen, nineteen, of robbing a fruit machine place in Newport. Yeah, I'm a professional footballer, by the way. I've got a girlfriend at the time. Everything's fine, Rosie, but I come from a background where my family isn't so rosy. And I say to people all the time, you know, you have to understand, this is where I say is trying to understand there are certain organizations who are trying to bring me down simply because You're when I'm a member successful. of a certain family, I'm being successful <clears throat> and the color of my skin. Yeah. That's a combination that people don't want to see. All right. So I'm accused by the police, Newport police, of doing something that doesn't make sense. Even when they tell me I'm able to pull apart their so well their story, I said, 
on my own. I didn't need a duty solicitor, but I had one. But that's a case of, you know, people say no smoke without fire. Oh, I'm, I'm living reality that that's not true. That statement isn't true. Okay. Yeah, because people can put something on you, which is absolutely not true. All and, right? and shit sticks and, forever. And Well, it's with me for the rest of my life. So you got to then, like I hated it for years and years because I was front page echo. And then when they realized actually, no, 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 it's not right. It's page 13, little square box yeah. apology. Yeah. All right. Well, well, it's front page Agus, I think it was actually, not the South Wales Echo. But the apology comes from the, the Agus as little tiny thing. So, but I don't hold that against them or anybody else. But I hold it against the police for trying to ruin my career before it even started, really, yeah. and truly. Do you know what I mean? And what adds weight to that is I had a friend, or a family friend, once came to me uh, after this and asked me if I knew a certain officer's name. Yeah. I said, no. And he, he said, well, he said to me, if you can give me anything on Nathan Blake, I'll let you go. So I, all my days at Cardiff, I knew that I was monitored, really. I was, I was being watched. People waiting for you to make that mistake. Dying for me to make the mistake. And that then becomes, that's, that's not, that's what I say, most kids in terms of, it's a society situation. You know, it's not a football situation. It's a society situation. Because, you know, I would, I would say, well, if you're good and your brother's bad, then I use, I say to these school kids, good example, bad example, no problem. Trust me, how to be or how not to be. What I don't do is trying to bring you to be bad. Yeah? Yeah. Or bring you down because, you know, and, I, and that's why I say I'm stronger than most people because most people, even from council estates, didn't have to face that sort of adversity of trying to, you know. I remember when I signed for Bolton and I bought my first new car. I bought a BMW convertible. I come home in it. Mm. I got stopped seven times in six days. Okay. To the point where I ended up, remember you said give a producer? Yeah. Well, you had to show your license and insurance within two weeks. So for... I got stopped that many times in the end. I just, rather than go and give my producer, I just kept the producer in my car to the very last day. Yeah. I just kept showing it to the police all the time, police all the time. And they're things that, you know, they take their toll. They weigh on you, you know? So there'll be people who will listen to this and think, oh, if I ever get a chance to do him, I'd love to do him. I'd love to get him. I'd love to bring him down. And that's just life, mate. You just gotta, you just gotta, Play the cards you dealt, I suppose. So two two part question. First one, you're saying it chips away at you. Do you carry? I know it's easy to say that you know it made you stronger and you just rolled with it. Do you carry a bitterness, an anger, 
you know, with you, with, within you. Not now. No? No. But, but, but while growing up, while it was happening? Of course, yeah. Just anger. Yeah, absolute. You know, it was why I probably partly why I was so short-fused on the pitch. Yeah. And why, like, you know, was so aggressive. Because it was, it was, he was able to take your frustration out on people. But, you know, it's... Uh, it is what it is. You know, I think there's much more scrutiny on things now, on people, on organizations. That, that, was, that was the second part, the, the things that, you know, the fruit machine stuff. Mm, mm. If that happens these days, do you oh, think there's less you'd listen, be sacked? I w- I, no. You don't think no, so? No, I think if that happened these days, the police would probably be owing me half a million quid for defamation okay. of character. Okay, so the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if I could bring a case now, if there was a law to say I could bring a case, I would, absolutely. Because as bad as... Um... Because I was in my bed. <laughs> and the worst thing is, people on the street all knew who did it. Yeah. So, so these days, we can, you go into society and how it's changed, people are softer, mm. this and that. But then the flip side to that, in that sort of situation, is corruption these days and that sort of thing. It's you, getting you exposed. Get fa- yeah, you get found out. Yeah, that. it's getting exposed now. Yeah. You know, and it's... And it's I say, too many people have to suffer in silence. And then people do silly things, yeah? Like, friends of mine have done silly things. Whether that's silly things which end their own life or silly things that end up, end up in jail yeah. for long periods of time. But they do silly things. But people don't link the two. The consequence of what someone's done to that person then leads them to do something so stupid. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but the general public looks and thinks, why do you do something so stupid? Ah, just lock him up. Yeah. But every action has a reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I, I've, I've learned through myself, really, that not everything is as it seems. So rather than, you know, be quick to judge, take your time, have a sleep on it, think about it for a week or two. And if you still feel the same, then make a judgment. Yeah, yeah. So you're living in this bubble in South Wales, young kid coming up, loads of games, mm. played plenty of games for Cardiff. Um, and then it starts, you know, whether you're grown up and you think, I'm going to play for Cardiff for the rest of my career. Mm. But the football world, you know, things Doesn't happen work, very, very quickly. Yeah. And, and you then get a taste of moving about and, you know, yeah, the I first move of plenty. Yeah, my first one. How was that for you, moving away? It was, uh, it was interesting because um, I'd, I'd done well because I'd gone to Chelsea and come home. And I lasted maybe 18 months at Chelsea, maybe it's shorter. Then first and halfway through my second year apprenticeship. So I was kind of battle-handing to leaving home and going away. So I was only 16. Um, and London, like I say, is a lonely place at 16. Then going to Sheffield, totally different. You're driving, you know, you're independent, you're earning good money, you know, you, you can go to the nightclub, you can get a drink, you can go out for meals. You, it, it's just a different environment. But leaving Cardiff was, it was a bit of a heartbreaker, I'll be honest with you, because, um, we had a we had a tie against Luton that was due yeah. in the FA Cup, and I had had a great FA Cup run, and I honestly felt we could get to the final. I don't know why, but I honestly, deep down, I felt we could get to the final or get to the semis, worst case scenario. 
And uh, I was told by the then chairman, he's not risking the money, so you're not playing. But then they stitched me up by saying that I didn't want to play. Okay. So the fans obviously turned on me. Yeah, they're, they're trying to look after themselves. Yeah, I went down to watch the game and I had to get escorted out, you know, because fans wanted to kill me. And I didn't want to play for the club. Mm. You know, stuff like that. That's the, you know, I, it's hard to forgive people for things like that because yeah. they're so blasé about it when they said it. Yeah. That they don't realise the kind of position it puts me in then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I go to Sheffield. Um, and I just, uh, I just didn't look back. You know, I, I was, I was gutted, really gutted. That when the club had stitched me up after I'd done so well for him. Two, I was a Cardiff boy, stroke Newport boy, so I was homegrown talent. And three, just like, I never forget, they were calling me Judas. And I just thought, what? Me? Yeah. You know, it's not my doing, by the way. All I do is play. Yeah. So I went and just thought, right, I'm going, I'll go. It was almost like the first club that came. I just said, yeah, it was Dave Bassett, rang me on the phone. Um, I thought it was my mate messing about, my best mate, he always jokes around, putting voices on. I thought it was, it was before the days of mobile phone, a phone, uh, at a house phone call. I was in the bedroom and then took the phone call. I thought he was messing about. And then ended up, um, he said, Dave Bassett said, get your backside up to Sheffield today. I think it was a Wednesday or a Thursday. It's all been sorted with the club. So just a double check, I ran the club. They said, yeah, so I'm sorry, get yourself up there. My agent also. Um, and then jumped in my car, started driving and thought, where's Sheffield? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have a clue where I was going. So uh, I knew it was- No sat nav Well, no, I knew it wasn't M4. I knew it was M50. Okay. Up towards Birmingham somewhere. And I think I stopped at the top of the M50 in the services, got some directions, and then, yeah, cracked on. Yeah. Cracked from, on. from a lesser scale, you're talking there, Cardiff, um, trying to protect themselves, stitching you up a little bit. Mm. I, I remember um, I didn't turn pro until I was 20, moved from Bangor to Swansea after a trial. And um, at the time, my contract had run out of Bangor. Mm. Now, you know whether this is stitching people up or not, people within the club at the time. Swansea, after the trial, wanted to sign me. And the next thing, the manager, Kenny Jack, is pulling me. And he's saying, what's going on? You know, I've spoke to people at Bangor and they're saying you've got a contract with them. Um, it's mine, for, it? for them to have to pay it. And, and what they wanted was for me to sign a contract, backdate, uh, as if as if I was contracted. Root to all evil, my friend, that so, money. So that, exactly, that, that's it. And, you know, to some... For you, Cardiff, big club, a lot of fans. Bangor, less so, but but still passionate fans. Yeah, the principles. When they hear they're getting no money for me, you know, they, they, you. they don't like it. They yeah. blame me. <laughs> you know, they blame my dad who who is trying to sort things wow. out. And sometimes you have to, you know, even then when you're young and a little bit naive, try and think of the logical thing. Yeah, you do. You have to be. You have to, well, you have to grow up very quickly. Yeah, and and I think you you know the way you're speaking, we're probably polar opposites in terms of you learn growing up mm. how to be streetwise mm -hmm. and then you branched out to Sheffield whatever yeah. club you then went to and you carried that with you mm. I think for me 
I needed to move to places to gain that streetwise. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, yeah. if I had lived in Bangor for the rest of my life, yeah. never never moved anywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I think you've been greener. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. But yeah. you, you then move to Swansea, Norwich, up to Scotland. Yeah. You go on loan here and there, a couple yeah. of months in a hotel. Yeah. You have to learn to adapt. And, yeah, yeah. And you meet different people, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The, just the complete opposite. Yeah, but very similar. Yeah. In a way. You get there. You get yeah, to the yeah, same yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah the destination the same. Way. Yeah. Just so, so then after Sheffield, you become. You know, I call myself a, a journeyman, if you like. You never grow up wanting to be a journeyman, do you? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. think that's not that's not the plan for football. Mm. Growing up, you think you're going to stay with one club or another. Yeah. Quickly, you realise this is a business, and well, well, what happened was, um, I think it's well documented. Uh, Howard Kendall come into um, Sheffield United. They sacked Dave Bassett around the Christmas time. They had a new board come in, the chairman, the old chairman had sold up, moved on, new chairman, new board. Uh, I think they sacked Dave Bassett within days, maybe weeks. Uh, and I know he was like, you you cut him and he was Sheffield United. He, okay. he was real, like, that club, he helped build certain structures within that club. So he was, he was, I would go as far as to say it's devastated, yeah. And I remember at the Christmas party, uh, but it was kind of like wives and that. But at that point, I wasn't married, so I was on my own. And he came to the Christmas party, and uh, he just put his hands on my shoulders. He was saying hello to him, put his hands on my shoulders, and said, I need a quick word. And he, he just gave me the lowdown, basically, of situation, what was happening, and they don't want you. Yeah. The new board, the new manager, they don't want you. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> don't be silly. I'm like, I've broken Tony Curry's scoring records. I'm like, I'm the man. Yeah. And he was like, nah, 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 nah. Trust me. Trust me. And I, uh, he, he's been a good man to me, Dave Bassett. He's always, if I need his help, he's someone I can always call even now. He's a wise old Fox, you know, he knows everything about the game, knows how to motivate people. And I loved him because he was, he was like my mother. He just tell you straight. Okay. If you didn't like it, don't do it or do it better. Otherwise he's just going to tell you, he's not going to beat around the bush. And that's the kind of upbringing I had. You don't cover things, you don't hide things, you don't pretend, you deal with things front on. it took me a little while to get over what he said to me because the next day in training, I remember Howard Kendall just digging me out, digging, digging, digging for no apparent reason, digging, digging, chirping, chirping, digging, digging. And I remember walking off at the end of training and Alan Kelly saying to me, you're gone. Clearly doesn't like you. Yeah. And I remember saying to Ned, I've had the heads up, but you know, and uh, I think we played Ipswich away and uh, got home and got back to the club and deal done. Yeah, you're gone. Well, where next? Bolton. Bolton. Yeah, Colin Todd, Roy McFarlane. And so I, I didn't get like kind of, 
Like some people would get kind of starstruck because Colin Todd is a ledge. Or Roy McFarlane, ledged. Harry Bassett, ledged. But where I'm from, because <laughs> you watch Match of the Day, maybe, mm. if you was in on a Saturday. And it's on a Saturday afternoon then, or football focus and stuff like that. But the only players I knew growing up were from the TV. I didn't know managers. I didn't know Colin Todd. Colin, Colin Todd and McFarlane they were Derby I was like a Spurs fan so I didn't really pay no mind so I was never starstruck by people yeah. I'm never in like awe of people then that's just not wasn't in my makeup but um, like people told me who Colin Todd was what he had done in the game and what he uh, I was just thinking hell yeah I want to sign I really want to sign and then I signed there and um First day, Nat, or Sir Nat Lofthouse, I call him. Uh, he was like, oh, Nat, another Nat. Oh, great to have you. And he was a diamond of a guy. And he we, he then sent, it was me and an old guy, Alan Whittle. Uh, we went and got, the, the, the thing was go and get, buy cakes. So we went and bought yeah. a tray of cakes for the dressing room. And then I said, you introduce yourself and away you go. Football's wild, isn't it? Like when you're in it and you live it and you, you experience these different things mm. like you're talking there about Dave Bassett getting the sack mm. my friends used to joke that I, I was a curse I was like a little little black widow with managers yeah, because yeah. you go somewhere and the manager gets sacked and then you go somewhere else the manager signs you he's soon sacked <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I had like five or six in a row you know and <laughs> you just think him. and then it, all of a sudden the next guy comes in you're not playing yeah. And Same happened to me with relegation. So yeah, I got, yeah. I got relegated like four or five times. People go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, listen, I, I, I came into Cardiff City as an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. I, I think I played some like 12 times, forced my way into the team after making my debut left back. Can't really hang that around me, but I'll take it because I'm part and parcel. And I got to Sheffield United. Should have stayed up on that. Take that one on the chin. You know, relegate the final day at Chelsea. Never forget it. My old club as well. The irony was, uh, I was sickening, absolute sickening, because we're being told, even when we're two one down, uh, Mark Steen scores a late winner. Uh, we're still okay. So we're walking off thinking we're okay, and then finally get to the dressing room, and Harry says it's, it's down. Everton, Hans Sagers, da 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 da. Right. So there's devastation. Then I go to Bolton, Colin Todd McFarlane had said to me, all we need is a striker, just something to put the ball in it. Listen, no, Bolton was still building, you know, to where they had that period of 10, 15, 10, 12 years in the Premier League. They were building towards that. They weren't there yet. We're still at Burnham Park, which I loved, right? Rickety old, old school stadium, yeah. you know. I just loved, I just loved everything about Bolton. Everything about it, I absolutely adored. And from there, going to Blackburn, you know, like when a dog would pine for his owner, yeah. uh, that's literally like a little bit of a depressive state when I was at Blackburn. So were you living in the same place? Quite, yeah. They're quite close to each other. Yeah, well, I lived in the same house, didn't move house. Just you were going in different directions. And I was going so far. And when I would turn off the 62, I'd go straight on and past it. 
little tear in your eye. And, oh, it was, it was, and it wasn't like I didn't want to sign for Blackburn. It was the circumstance in why I had to leave Bolton. It was a new stadium. They had built it, the Reebok. They needed to fund it. No team ever sells their two main strikers. Yeah. But basically, that's what Bolton done. They sold Anagun Lagson to Leicester for, I think, two and a half million, and me to Blackburn for five and a half million. And it was like, you know, that's where I wanted, I wanted to end up, you know, working at the club. You know, I didn't want to move out. Really? My wife and I had no plans to move back to Wales. Uh, because we loved Chester so much and where we were. We just had um, my first child at Bolton, Ethan. So he was born the year we won the uh, league and broke records. So it was just, everything just seemed to just fit in. Small, not too big a club, nice town, bit rough around the edges, some nice paths, beautiful countryside. You know, it was just, it was, it was the place for me, like, you know, but it didn't start well. I went in there and had a, you know, when I realized, like, I felt like I'd been lied to a bit. You know, these are personal demons. Yeah, you yeah. say, you know, oh, well, we need more than a striker. We ain't got enough to stay in the league. And then fans are expecting you to be the miracle worker. And then when you don't score in 10 games, it's like, you're the problem. Yeah. So, you know, um, and then Colin Todd, uh, who I still speak to now from time to time still. He still sends me New Year's greetings and Christmas greetings. Uh, he's a great man for me, but he uh, he made a brave move in selling Sasa Surchik. The whole place went absolute mayhem. Good player. Crazy, because he was a great player. Yeah. But he wasn't a team player. Okay. He, was, he Sasa played for Sasa. You know, there was... Sasa's abilities on his own didn't outweigh the collective abilities of the team. Yeah. But the way he played, if you didn't give the ball back to Sasa in your place and you misplaced your pass, the crowd would go nuts for you. You know, Sasa's the man, just give it all to Sasa. Yeah. You know, so they kind of got tunnel vision into that. You know, he had scored a world against Man United and blah, 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 blah. But then that season... We just, you know, I remember the preseason. I think we played up at Carlisle. I come off the bench, and I had been to Jamaica with my wife, and I'd worked out all through the summer. I'd worked out in Jamaica, and I, I was mentally in a different place. I knew I was just going to rip the whole league apart, and we did. That's what we did, and we were just a, a great team. Okay, a really good team, and little things Colin Todd done just made us a closer unit. You know. You'd have like every Tuesday if we didn't uh, have a game or Wednesday, we would all go out and eat together and things like that. It was compulsory. If you, you know, in the beginning, boys were complaining, oh, my missus or my good kid. And after like four or five weeks, it was like their getaway. It was like, oh, where are we going today? You know, so, but I made some great friends. Chrissy Faircliffe, Jerry Taggart, Tags came to my wedding. Um, John McGinley, you know, Stephen McInesby, Jimmy Phillips. You know, Gavin Ward, I was with at Cardiff, he came. Uh, Peter Beersley, you know, Per Franson, Michael Janssen, Scott Sellers, John yeah. Sheridan. We were like a, just a, a really close unit.
Did you think I'd forgotten to mention who's sponsoring this week's show? Jones Crisps, lovely little family-run business. They provide a delicious product. They come in four flavours, cheese and onion, ready salted, salt and vinegar, those wonderful sweet chilli. You know them by now, I'm just reminding you. Perfect for a little snack, perfect for a Christmas snack. Christmas is coming at us real quick, stock up. Perfect with a beer, just relaxing. And I tell you, perfect to sell in your cafe or your restaurants. That's where it's at. What better than to see a lovely little Welsh product. Spreading the word, Jones Crisps. You're talking there about players at the start not liking it. Maybe their partners, their wives are saying, you're not going out on a Tuesday. Yeah. Things don't change, Blakey, because uh, a few years back when I was at Norwich, we got promoted, second promotion in a row to the Premier League. I'd played, I think, two appearances, right? I've gone here, there, and everywhere on loan. I'd made one sub appearance, one start, and then at the end of the season, uh, the club paid for us to go to Las Vegas. Luckily enough, I was there, mate. Different I was, to Cavos. I was on that flight. Yeah. Some lads who had played every game, not allowed. Yeah. Not allowed. Played every single minute, scored important goals and stuff like that. Nah. They not went allowed. Around. And here I am, one sub appearance, one start. <laughs> hey, mate. Fan passer. Listen, that's what I say. Don't mind if you're on the bench, 18th man. You know, when we were at Cardiff, we won the league at Cardiff. We had a great season. We won the league at Cardiff. We took old Harry, God bless him. The kit man, he was 76, uh, and we took him, uh, one of the lads, Carl Dale, he booked, booked the holiday, the chairman gave us the money if we won the league, yeah. he come and planted a, about 10 grand or 5 or 10 grand cash on the table, said go book your holiday lads. So we booked, we told Carl, book the cheapest you can find, and he booked the club 18 to 30s. Yeah. To Cavos. <laughs> and we took the kit man, who was 76, like, but well, we had a, it's more than just a start time. 11 Absolutely. Isn't it? For, for success. Absolutely. It's, it's what I learned at Bolton. Probably Bolton showed me, because I know a lot of people think, oh, you're a bit wild and you're a council estate lad, but my mum was a wise woman. My uncle was a very good, very intelligent man, professor. My other uncle was a great rugby league legend. Uh, my family's very intelligent, but. What I'd say is, I never went into a club and didn't watch things. I didn't just play football. I suppose it was why I was able to play any position for Cardiff. Yeah. Left back, centre back, right mid, left mid, centre mid, centre forward. The only position I didn't play was goalkeeper. Because I watched, even in training, if the Eddie May was telling the right back what did I'd watch and think, not that I'd be there, but if I had to, I could do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So. What Bolton taught me was good people, running a good football club, you know, having the yo-yo until they got stuff right, and good things, bad things, and they just, you know, it was just such, like when you break records, it, it is, I always say, I say it's a spearhead, you know, a spearhead goes into a triangle. And everybody, not the players and the managers and the board and the chairman and the commercial department, the youth team, the youth coaches, you know, 
the reception, everybody, the people at the training ground, the cooks, the chefs, everybody has to be in unison. Yeah. Everybody. And if I run a football club, it's, it's what I know has to happen for success to be gained. Rarely is a club successful when it's splintered. In fact, I don't think I know of one. And especially these days, it's always been the case, of course, but these days you see so many clubs, big clubs, Sunderland at the moment, Aston Villa the last few years, that re once that relationship goes between the fans and the players, and then probably within you have kit people who are really influential, mm -hmm. you know, they might be saying good morning to the manager, but behind his back, yeah. you know, they know everybody that... Yeah, well, they're fans. They're fans. They, they go to the pub, but they still... But, you know, I would say, give me, give me, give me the hardest you can give me. Give me some like Sunderland. Yeah, let me, let me sit in there for a month. Let me check everything out. Check who's who, right, right, right. And then, right, start putting out fires. But my mum always say to me, the nicer you are to people, the more you get out of them. However, you have to be a good judge of character. Yeah. You have to know if this man's looking in my eye and asking me a question because he wants to know the answer or he wants to run and tell someone else yeah. my answer. Yeah. You have to understand that. So often I will tell people what they want to hear yeah, of rather course. than what I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you spoke then, um, you touched on the relegations and stuff. You then mm. went Bolton to Blackburn. Mm. Um, Wolves was another Blackburn one. Blackburn was a nightmare. But the, <laughs> does the relegation thing, does it, do you get used to it? I've, I've been relegated once. By the fourth and fifth, is it like... I uh, would say at Blackburn, I knew we were going to get relegated. I think it was the second day I signed. Right. Might have even been my first full training session. From a squad point of view, you I knew, knew we were going to get relegated. Enough. Not because we weren't good enough. We had great players. You know? Tim Sherwood, Chris Sutton, Tim Flowers should never be relegated. Yeah. Jeff Kenner. Guys who had won the Premier League. I had a squad, mate. It was just that. Fractioned. Rodson was the manager, signed me. And first day in training, my first day, we finish. Well, before we start, he calls everyone together. And someone had been to, I don't know whether it was one of the chairman or whether it was a board member, had been to, a player had been to the board and basically were knifing Roy Hodgson. And he explained, and he said, and he called them out and said, who was it? Come on. Yeah. And no one stepped up. And we then did an afternoon session. And I remember we couldn't get this move right. And we started at some like 2.30. And it must have been about, it was like now, so where are we? So it must have been about four, quarter past four, because the light was going. Yeah. And I was, we were drenched and you had, remember you had the cloth training kit, the heavy. With the collar and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, well the cagoule was just soaked through. I had the long bottoms and I remember walking in the dressing room and sitting down and look, putting my head down, the water dripping, i never forget it. And just thinking, doomed not a chance because yeah. I'd come from a club which was okay we weren't money bags like Blackburn were but we had a togetherness which was our strength Blackburn had in their promotion season no doubt togetherness coupled with money yeah now the togetherness are gone the money doesn't really matter yeah do you know what I mean and I just remember thinking 
Kevin Davis, they had signed him for seven and a half million, didn't quite work out. But he was an unhappy man and players were kind of like on his case a bit, which I didn't think was right because he was, he, was, he was young and he was a very talented boy. I'd seen his talent first and he had knocked us out of the cup, scored a hat-trick for Chesterfield. Mm. So I knew how talented he was. But I also understand like sometimes your confidence can get knocked and, you know, it don't always work out the way you want it to. So it was it was it was, it was difficult, but I, I you know after being relegated with Bolton um, <laughs> twice, the first time when I got there we weren't good enough. Second time again got relegated by a point. Mm. Jerry Taggart scored a goal against Everton. I still remember. Never didn't go over the line. Well, it did, and this and that, and this. We ended up losing out by a point again. Um, so it was like going to Blackburn. Blackburn, I knew it was it was a different, different, different kettle of fish altogether. It was it was a better squad, talent wise, but it was just doomed, mate. Yeah, it was doomed. But did you get used to the relegations? Is it something no. you still carry? Because no, it's a no, it's, it's part a quiz and question, of football. It? It's part, it's part and parcel of football. It's one of them, you know. It, 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 why would they focus on that? I got promoted at Cardiff City as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. 19, 20 years old. And was one of the main reasons for it. You know, went to Sheffield United. Broke records, goal scoring records, was sold on. Okay, got relegated, sold on. Went to Bolton. We broke records. Yeah. Yeah. Up and down, we know it was a yo yo. We knew the situation. We're not money bags. It's, it's, it's a long term, 10 year project. Right. Go to Blackburn, okay. Kind of had a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Didn't work out as much as well as I want, but still got promoted, you know, back up. So I think of all the clubs I paid for, it was only Sheffield United, one, because I don't think I was there long enough, and Wolves, because I'd had a car accident and had a long period out when I got to the Premier League with my neck. Um, I never really participated to too well in those but it's one of them mate you know you ask any kid who'd like to be a professional footballer for 15 years at the highest level yeah. people paying 5 million pounds you play for your country all over the world you can focus on that negative but hey it's, I think it's a part of it isn't it my, my one relegation was towards the end when I was done mm. I was that player you know that judgement these days he can't run anymore mm. I couldn't run mm. I was a mile off it mm. but playing for Hibs up in Scotland and we got relegated and I, rem I just remember it didn't mean what it should mean to me, you know. Mm. I knew I was done mm. playing. Um, I remember sitting in the dressing room looking around, players head in hands and stuff like that. I'm thinking, I just want to shower Not now really because bothered. the car's packed to go down from Scotland back home to Wales. Yeah, get home. Get showered, get in the car, and then I was gone. So it's not burning you. And then when I'm in Carlisle, I phone my mate who's the centre-half. Where are you? And he's saying, uh, still in the car pack, mate. Because we were having such a bad season, we used to park at the front of the ground. We used to get a dog's abuse off the fans. So we moved to the, around the back. The fans had waited for us at the front. And by the time they realised they'd parked somewhere else, they'd bombarded the car park. Mm. Luckily, I was gone. Yeah, yeah. I was on the road down south and you know, everyone else was stuck in the car park. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think, almost I look back, I didn't want to be relegated, but mm. it, it's part of... Football My motto was, if I get relegated, I'm going to get you promoted. Okay. 
I wasn't in that. Yeah, I wasn't in that. I was. Of I, I after, and it, it all developed from the first promotion at Cardiff under Eddie May. Yeah. Because we should have, we should have, we missed out the year before. Rick, Rick Ryder then giving him a bit of money. Eddie signed a few better quality players. I don't think anyone fancied us from the for the championship. I remember from around about January we just went on this incredible run where no one could beat us, and we played football. And it kind of developed from there. So I'm one of them. Uh, I'm never expecting to earn the kind of monies I earned or play at the level I'm playing. I just play. Yeah. So if I get relegated, hey, so what? I'll get promoted next season. That's kind of like my mantra. That was like my the way I dealt with The next challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you've gone down. you got to get up. Yeah. The only place that never happened was Sheffield United. You know, I still believe I had a short spell at Leeds where my career kind of ended, uh, where I ripped my hamstring like about nine and a half inches. It was done, right? But I still believe if I had had that end of season, then the following season, David Ely and I, we, I would have got that club promoted again. They would have been back in the Premiership at least once. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Because it's what I do. It's what I've done. You talk about... Um you know, earning money that you wouldn't have dreamt that you could have earned. No. But from from your background, were you streetwise enough, clever enough to to save up and stuff like that? Yeah, because, yeah, Because that's, yeah. that's the huge worry for players yeah, these days. Yeah. Once it ends, it ends. Yeah, Doesn't yeah. matter what you earn, even yeah. if you're on 50, 20 grand a week. Yeah, yeah. When you finish, it's done. Yeah. You, you know, and you slowly you, yeah. you, you were prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always, I always prepared for that. And I've listened. I. I've lost as well as I've gained, but you know, I suppose what, uh, what uh, I suppose it, you always revert back to who you are originally. And are you going to let that hold you down, or are you going to let that? Or are you going to get over it, get up, yeah, and get on and get back in the fight? And that's just the way I brought up. That's just my mum, my uncles, my nan. You know, my aunties, my cousins, they're all very of a similar sort of type. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't stupid enough to, don't get me wrong, I had nice cars, nice house. You know, I love watches, bought some nice watches for my wife and I and things like that. But, you know, you know, you, you got to think yourself, well, I've got a kid and I want more children, so... You know, what's going to happen to them and you know we want to be in a position to be able to help them and things like that so yeah I, I didn't I wasn't a gambler you know what I mean I didn't flip money away I'd go out with 500 pound on a Saturday night take my mates and go home with like 30 quid but that was me because what you know I take out what I know I can spend yeah yeah, yeah. I wouldn't take out 500 quid if I had like 600 quid in the bank just don't make sense. Yeah. It was me, so I suppose caution on that side. And if the hardest thing is, if you never really had money, is then learning how to deal with money. Yeah, you know what I mean. And learning how to try and keep money. As I say to kids now, you don't want to be driving a Mercedes Benz when you're playing. You want to be driving a Mercedes Benz when you're forty. Yeah, I agree, completely. Yeah. yeah. So if you've got a Range Rover when you're 28, when you're in 30 grand a week, great. That's to be expected. But when you finish and you're not earning 30 grand a week, what are you driving then? Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, if you've set yourself up right, you can still drive the Range Rover. Yeah. If you've bought a couple of things, maybe a few properties here and there, a few investments, decent pension. You know, all these things matter, and it's not just a case of, you know, thinking. The hardest thing to get in the football, and my agent helped me a lot with this, uh, a guy named Phil Graham. He helped me a lot and encouraged me to save, encouraged me to save, save. Yeah, you got that. You could spend that on what you want. But save, mate. Save, save, save. And I did. And luckily I had people around me who were good, I could trust. Financial advisor and, you know, agent and... Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And towards the end of your career, um, professional career finished. Mm. Seen on Wikipedia mm. reasons for that. Mm. Um, but then the flip side, you get to play for Newport. You yeah, know? it was. It was. So it something was, that you wanted to it do. Was, it was. It was strange, Newport. You know, it, it, I wanted to play for him because it was where I had done my like pre-apprenticeship then as a kid and if New World unfolded I doubt Chelsea would have ever happened yeah. then Cardiff don't happen so your life goes on a deep, completely different path mm. do you know what I mean but yeah I wanted to play for Newport but then when I got there and you realise the manager's not very professional yeah you know, it's different yeah, I, rem I remember going on a coach first away trip and seeing like things that I hadn't seen since I was at Cardiff as like a 19 year old when they load in the bus with like cans of beer. I'm thinking, really? Yeah. Okay. We go, we travel, Friday night. And uh, Damon Sir was there luckily. Uh, so Surly and I roamed together. And uh, I said to him, oh, I've got like a routine. So after, after dinner, I'll go and get some jelly sweets. Yeah. I can, you know what I mean? A uh, car blow a lot. Huh? She so said, uh, yeah, there's a garage across the road. So we went to the garage, come back, and as like, come through reception, walked past the bar and just looked. And the manager like waved. And I seen a few players in there as well. So he's like waving me in, waving us in. So we go in. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, uh, fancy a beer, mate? I'm like, on a Friday. Yeah. I'm like, nah. He's like, oh, don't you fancy? I said, I don't drink beer anyway. He said, what do you drink? I said, I drink brandy. He said, well, you can have a brandy. I said, mate, it's Friday. We've got a game tomorrow. I said, listen, I said, I haven't drunk 48 hours before a game for almost 17 years. Different world. I'm just not going to start now. Yeah. Even when I was on the coach at Cardiff, they didn't take cider, which I would have drunk. Yeah. But I already knew uh, you, you got to get in your car and drive. So it th there's just things I didn't entertain. Yeah. You know, in my whole career, I can only remember once being out on a Thursday before a Saturday game. Yeah. So the rule was 48 hours. And so once I can hold my hand up and say, I've done it once and we lost that game. I won't tell you because like, people say, ooh, but we lost that game. And I vowed, that's it, never again. Yeah. So when I, when I seen this um, and... There was players drinking, and I was thinking to myself, you know, attitude reflects leadership at the end of the day. Now, I was told by certain directors and what have you, hey, going for promotion, you want to blah, blah, blah. 
you're not going to get promoted in this. You know, if you, you can't be unprofessional and expect professional results. Mm. It just doesn't go together. Yeah. So it kind of like lasted a few weeks and then I was like, do you know what? It's not for me. I also remember training, turning up at the training and the manager wasn't there. Uh, Scott Young was there, Youngie. And we went over by the velodrome um, on, on, on the football pitch. And literally done about eight minutes of heading back and forth, you know, two lines, keep me up, ball. And that was it. And I was like, what, well, that is the session? And he was like, yeah. And I was angry. I, I really was. I was like, what? You, know, you want trying to get back to the football league? What are you all doing? Like, yeah. what does it mean? You know. But they, in, in their defence, they probably didn't know any different. The majority of them. Well, the manager had been a pro. Okay. Scott Young had been a pro, and I just thought to myself, Nah, it's it's it's, it's not for me. You know what I mean, I done the black and amber, which is what I wanted to do. I played. I didn't enjoy the boys. The boys were a good bunch of lads. Like the manager, got on with Youngie, but it was just like what you've experienced. It's just like, ah, it's, it doesn't give you the same feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I kind of like said, uh, oh, that's it for me. But unprof that, that feeling of people being unprofessional, was that not something you were used to with the, with the whale squad? No, I wouldn't say not so. Not to that level. No, I, I, listen, with, 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 with the whale squad, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was unprofessional. What I'd say is, like, the managers we had knew what they knew. Yeah? yeah? And people say, like, the Revolution of Wales started with Gary Speed. I say the Revolution of Wales started with Mark Hughes. Uh -huh. Because the, most boys would tell you, as soon as Sparky took over, everything just turned on his head. Everything. Food, drinks, training traveled how we traveled you know what i mean how we were just, just everything results everything flipped on his head and it was you know and he was at blackburn with me at the time and he took i remember him saying he's going for the job and i was like really so he's working on his laptop all the time i never see Spidey do anything like that but yeah i'd say the revolution started with wales but it was where mark was used of a higher caliber he had played his level at Man U, Chelsea, you know, in Germany, top standard. So they stay best hotels. They have best foods. They're pioneers almost. Yeah. You know, if there's a new thing coming into the game, it won't start at uh, Carlisle. It starts at Man United or it starts at Liverpool, and then it Works drips its way down. down. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was just. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Wales was unprofessional. What I'd say it was what they knew. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a difference. If that's all you know, kind of like coming full circle. Well, I was, like I say, I was a bit of a tear away, but that's all I knew. You know what I mean? That's the way. That's the environment I grew up in. So if that's all you know, mm. that's what you're going to take to the party. You don't yeah. take things that. You've never dealt with or never had before, do you? So, yeah. 
these days, you, little plug, you got your own podcast? Yeah, I've got Blakey's Boot Room for Cardiff um, City. Enjoy doing it? Uh, yeah, I love it. Media Wales, um, myself and Dominic and Paul Abs. Um, I love it. I've been doing it four or five seasons now. And yeah, it's great. It's, it's great because I love Cardiff and I want to be in and around there. Uh, and although the hierarchy, I know I do their heads in because I often say things like 12 months and 12 months later, they tend to do things, you know okay. what I mean? So I know they, they, they can't handle that, but hey, as long as it gets done, I'm not bothered. And uh, yeah, I've got one, other, one or two other bits and bobs going on in my life. And, you know, lucky, got a good wife, good family, good kids. You know, kids are doing well. Two in university, one young actor, hopefully, touch wood, he'll go on and uh, fulfill what dreams he has. And, what more could you ask for? And before we wrap it up, first of all, the young Nathan Blake, that 17 year old Nathan Blake, mm. you wouldn't have believed what the old Nathan Blake has turned into. Absolutely. No. And second of all, you're talking about your son going into the acting. That's what I found out this afternoon. Mm. You got a little award, haven't you? <laughs> hey? A little award. Acting. Uh, what was it? A Golden Globe? Or? Uh, no, nothing like that. Just an Emmy. No, nothing like that. I just done a few. Um, uh, a gentleman here in this in, in this canteen asked me if uh, my son was in Lion King and toured for about two and a half years with Disney. Yeah. And he, uh, a guy named Roger Bernal, has a company called It's My Shout, which is for young wannabe producers, actors, stage runners, handlers, you name it, writers, anything to do with. And he asked me if. Uh, my son would get involved, so he did. Great, worked wonders, been a great advantage to my boy. And then he asked me if I'd do a cameo in a film for him as a favor. Yeah. And I did, and then he asked me a second time, so I did it. And won an award as best supporting actor, so. Oh. Yeah, so, it, mate, listen, I, there's, there's nothing I can do. I, that's the way I've always approached life, because I wasn't supposed to end up where I was supposed to end up. So, if you say to me, Nave, I've got a script, I'll read it, I understand it, you need me to do that, I can do it. If I can't, well, there's no such word as can in my book. That's life after professional football. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I've, I took a, took a thing or a little mantra, a little motto after playing, say no to nothing, mm. experience different things. Absolutely. I've got a panto next week, a special <laughs> panto. <laughs> Shane Williams' Panto, the rugby boy. Oh, no, you haven't. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. <laughs> so I haven't had the script yet, but looking forward to that. We'll, uh, I think it's time for us to get off, mate. Oh, wait there, and where's the uh, Panto, first of all? We're, we're doing it in Port Talbot. Um, well, it's a bit too close to Swansea. Yeah, I might just get yeah. filled in if I go But hey, don't worry far. about it, because it's going out on Christmas Day <laughs> okay. on S4C. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's something good, something to look forward to. I'll get some tips off you now. We, yeah. we have to head down the stadium for yeah. the uh, yeah. Wales-Panama game, but... Honestly, Blakey, we, I really appreciate your time. Hey, we could probably pleasure, go on for mate. another hour. Yeah. We should do it again because we've not touched on Bobby Gould, the Wales squads of, yeah. of that time. Yeah, yeah. Loads of different things, but yeah. uh, it's been a pleasure, mate. Absolutely, mate. Thank you. There we have it. Nathan Blake, what an interesting guy. I promise you that could have gone on longer. It was a shame. I was gutted 
but I just felt I have to, you know, wrap it up almost. We had somewhere to go. We had to go to a game. We had to watch Wales play against Panama. So, um, you know, he's certainly somebody who's got got the story to tell, and it's not always about football. It's about getting into upbringing. You know, how his how his upbringing helped and hindered his career, and I think I think we got into that. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If so, please subscribe iTunes and all the other apps where you get the podcast from. Leave a rating, leave a review. Uh, that'd be very kind. Thank you for listening.